Welcome back to the Warhorse Podcast, pilot episode two. We left off with uncertaintism, the mold, breathwork, and we still got quite a few little uh, crumbs and kernels to pick up um, before we can move on. At the end of this podcast tonight, I'm going to leave you with a couple of tools, tricks, techniques that I have discovered or, you know, developed that I hope are going to bridge the, the gap between the esoteric kind of um, aspect of this and the the practical, physical, and, um, you know, applicable side of it. And I believe it'll be pretty valuable. I think it will, I think they, uh, taken together, will start to give you an experiential base, um, you know, from which to start exploring uh, your baselines and developing your own unique view on this. Um, I'm going to start out with um, some stuff on this black and white thinking idea and um, PTSD. And in my experience with PTSD and um, learning about it and the like, what I learned along the way was that you have a trauma loop, which I think we, we mentioned, but probably didn't go into great detail uh, last time. So the trauma loop starts when you're very young. It might very well be a natural, you know, I don't think that God uh, sets us up for failure. I think that um, we live in a distorted, contorted perverted state of affairs and um, a real quick side note uh, you know if you're not familiar with John Taylor Gaddow I would make yourself familiar with him there's some podcasts and videos that a website called tragedyandhope.com put together with John uh, five or six years ago that do him, they, they do a good job um, in terms of talking about the conspiracy related to the educational system, certainly in America, which is, 
you know, that's most of my experience. That's most what I'm going to refer to most of the time. And we mentioned those 10,000 hours of being seated in a chair. Um, in his book, The Underground History of Education, Mr. Gatto, who has passed away um, at this time, goes into great detail and makes the conclusive, just irrefutable case that this was a conspiracy, that the idea was absolutely, you know, animal farm to make us into cattle. Um, and that's essentially, you know, what we are from the standpoint of the elites. The technocratic nightmare that um, I think is in full, full swing right now arises out of this, uh, the designs of these same people. We'll, plenty of time to go into that. I hope to have the, um, the proprietor of that website, Richard Andrew Grove, on at some point. I learned a lot from Mr. Grove. I think he's got a lot to teach. Um, so I won't, I won't go into great detail now, but I bring it up to relate to the existence of the trauma loop and, um, apparently, supposedly, or probably it starts when you're a child, it starts with something small, innocuous, um, maybe your mom gets mad because you bite her while you're breastfeeding and you know, this triggers you. And it's a very, very tiny, almost imperceptible blip on the radar, but it's enough to start forming a neural pathway. And over time, you know, more and more upsets, um, certainly in modernity, separation from the family is, I mean, I think it was Mr. Gatta who said, has an idea um, more obscene or absurd in all of human history ever taken root than the idea that it would be good to take your child and give him to somebody else who you don't know, don't trust, and who probably came from, you know, the lowest, uh, the lowest uh, IQ brackets. No offense if you if you are currently working in uh, public schooling or you know somebody, but I'm sorry, most of those people are are dumber than dirt, and that's usually where they're pulled from. Uh, but that was his point. You know, your whole life is spent providing for your children, and in one way or another, uh, those are the values I espouse and live my life by. That's how my parents looked at it. Um, and then, you you know, but the, the irony didn't hit them. I, I went to public school and they did as well, but you're just going to hand this over to, to just some person who happened to land the job. And what do you think is going to happen? Well, they revert to this, this Prussian schooling, uh, that was refined and refined again. And then, uh, the history of the microprocessor and technology uh, you know, caught up. We have this reference in episode eight or seven of uh, season three in Twin Peaks where 
the fabric of reality is ripped open and some external creature entity is inserted through um, radio, television, the chip, the internet, the iPhone, social media, all follows and where is that fabric now? Michael Hoffman, for those that are interested and haven't uh, realized or, you know, had this um, connection pointed out, Michael Hoffman and David Lynch are in total agreement, as far as I can tell, on the whole history of the Trinity site. And, um, yeah, we won't go into it too deeply. Michael Hoffman would be a great guy to have on. I should try and do that. I'll try and remind, remind myself, but you guys can remind me as well. Anyway, a couple of tangents there, back to the, back to the point. Um, this dissociative loop, this neural pathway, the trauma loop, what have you, again, whether it's natural or um, exacerbated, it's definitely exacerbated, but um, how natural it is, we, we have no way of knowing. And um, at present, the thinking is that we are all in in a state, you know, along some spectrum of PTSD. So you listening to this right now might have had a pretty good life. I had a pretty good life um, up until a certain point when I no longer had a good life. You know, there was struggle along the way, but I, I definitely wasn't scrapping in the streets for uh, my dinner. Um, but worse shit than that can happen. Um, and if you're in that situation, you know, I would be careful in examining your own life because taken from a strictly factual point of view, if even just the underground history of education is perfectly true and, and you have been subjected to it, then you have a full, fully developed mold uh, holding you in, holding you back. And that's the interface through which uh, you're engaging reality. Now, I don't know in terms of the mold if it can finally and ultimately be beaten. You know, this question of question philosophical of you know pure, pure freedom. Um, I don't. I'm not so sure that it really does exist. Uh, we have this teleological. You know, there's a narrative of our lives and it's leading to something there is meaning and that meaning in my from my point of view only arrives or is only revealed you know when you confront death uh so we hopefully you know i this, there's this paradox of so maybe that's the final battle uh, if life is the training ground for death. Uh, however, the black pills and, and you know, despair, uh, these are, this is no-go territory. Um, the Orthodox say that, you know, there's a few unforgivable sins, suicide, um, etc. But despair is unique. Um, because it's completely unnatural. 
it's not the actual state of things and you start to in a state of despair you're actually working against whatever ray of hope is there and um, again referring forward to these exercises that I'll give you um, it's there the question is whether or not you can gain enough control of yourself to find it um, like you know groping around for the light switch in the dark only maybe you've been shot uh, maybe people you love have been killed maybe you're going to die but you still need to you still need to go ahead and grasp around and find that fucking light switch before you know the you you switch off because I think we all like to imagine I certainly do um, an end where I'm surrounded by my loved ones and things are fairly you know peaceful and comfortable got a drink of water I got plenty of time to gird my loins uh, to face that portal the truth of it of course is much much different um, it can arrive any day today could be the day tomorrow etc it's tough to it's very tough to both you know engage fully in life and uh, keep this realization at, at you know the forefront maybe not quite but certainly on an accessible burner uh, so to speak so back to our PTSD and dissociate dissociative uh, state if we break this word down a little bit, you know, we're, if we take a child who's uh, dissociating at a young age, um, essentially what that means is the emotional and reasoning centers are not communicating. If we look at ourselves as adults, particularly, and I think I'm speaking mostly to men, um, don't worry, you know, we're not going to get a whole flood of, um, you know, Iron John get together and bang drums in the wilderness sort of shit. What, what I am going to give you is an admonishment to take a really hard look at prob what is probably a minor or major case of Dunning-Kruger with regard to the relationship between your emotional and reasoning centers. This um, suggestion I made last time to, you know, build out a capacity to think in black and white, uh, you know, it has a place. And um, that place is probably not as you hopefully gently go about reacquainting yourself with yourself. Um, physical of course because this is where this trauma is located and uh, over time you know it as, as I keep saying like this is a long-term strategy and the goal here is longevity without time to process these things uh, or without time just to drink as deeply as possible of 
the stunning beauty that surrounds you, maybe the love of your family, maybe to come through on some of the promises that you've made, uh, the things that you need to make sure happen. You're going to need time. And in order to buy time, you are going to need to ensure your health. So, you know, this the situation where we have this second brain in our guts. Real briefly, if you don't know kind of how this works is, and I don't claim to know it all, but in, in a sort of rudimentary sense, if your gut biota is all out of whack, you're essentially dealing with unnecessary inflammatory response. That inflammation seemingly, maybe by genetics, maybe by uh, other, other factors, routine, predilections, etc., uh, you know, can sort of locate itself in this place or that place, or, you know, one system might suffer before another. But as you find, if you hang out, you know, with uh, kind of the circle surrounding Brian McKenzie or the HHP Foundation, breathwork in general, all of these systems are related. And you only seemingly have direct access to the one. You can massage lymph, you can eat kimchi to work on your, your gut flora, but the only one that you can take with you while you're driving, walking from your car to whatever you're going to engage in, is your breath. And I, it's the only, it seems to be, you know, the Holy Spirit um, spirates. And there seems to be, if not uh, a direct lesson, at least an insinuation or a, a a pointing of the finger towards this uh, this ability that we have to take charge of at least one system, which hopefully, uh, you know, if you have the time, it will. You can. I have done it. Uh, many, many others have done it. You can start to rest back uh, control and equilibrium. Granted, you'll need to do some other stuff if you're, depending on how far gone you are um, or what your goals are in terms of performance. Um, remind me, you guys in the comments, you know, I, um, we can add some addendums. I don't, I'm not a naturopath, but I recommend it. That's all I recommend. I do not, um, you know, if you're still turning to mainstream medicine at this point I would just turn this podcast off and go beat your head against the wall um, but you're probably not and that's great so there's other stuff you can do however the breath you know at least what I'm advocating for ultimately is a, an intimate constant relationship Sort of like that relationship that church folk 
are hoping to achieve, you know, this relationship with God. This mystified me for most of my life um, until it finally clicked. Um, so there again, there's some relationship uh, between your breath, your attention, your self-awareness, which are all in cahoots together. One is feeding the other. There's some connection there. And um, clearly I'm recommending that you, you build this relationship through constant effort. And um, the rewards are plenty. You know, just in terms of um, this longevity thing, um, building out this sensitivity or building out this self-awareness, you're aware of aspects of yourself, right? Is going to ultimately uh, allow for observation of all sorts of patterns that you might not be aware of. To say nothing of, you know, it's it's going to be a foundation for, you know, just stuff you would get in bro science or, you know, bro jogan, as Jay Dyer likes to say, you know, sort of uh, self-improvement stuff. Well, that's fine. Um, you know, this was a comment I wanted to make. There's a number of threads that run on on the internet now, you know, one is Bro Jogan and another one is uh, kind of like the John Verveke, Jordan Peterson. Um, constant theoretical um, dissection and just intense permanent trepidation towards, you know, taking, taking a position on the material the immaterial, the interface, etc. That's not what I'm about. I really appreciate those guys, and um, I do listen to some of those podcasts. I do gain from them. I value them. However, that's not my road. You know, those guys are kind of having that conversation, and I will, I will check in on it. But I know where I'm going. Um, I think even Verveke might have a breath practice and you know, fuck, what do I know? I mean, he might be, uh, way deep into all sorts of other stuff. I'm judging him purely on his output, which I can only guess what his reasons are for, um, presenting himself the way he does, which is totally honorable and fine. It's just not what I'm doing. I'm, I feel like, uh, a little bit more urgent. Um, I think, I think maybe these guys have had slightly more sheltered lives than, than I have. Um, but, you know, that was just a, a little side note that I had been rolling through, over, through my mind the past few days. And in terms of PTSD, hopefully we're starting to build a little picture here where you have a set of habits that are, you know, at one point may have served you and then they probably didn't. And maybe they're still hanging around. You have a set of habits that you probably didn't choose that were in response to 
an oppressive situation, you know, uh, of one varying degrees and your coping mechanisms provided to you by your family and your upbringing, again, are on some spectrum. And um, to use the addiction metaphor again, there is, um, there is a moment where you have to you have to find this, uh, you have to expose yourself to the potential that you might be more fucked up than you, than you thought. Um, I don't know how deep this rabbit hole goes, but I, I do know that, the, you know, in orthodoxy, uh, we refer to ourselves, we each do, as, you know, the greatest of sinners. And I have told my friends uh, about a very personal moment that we'll be lacking here without the context, but I don't, you know, to sum it up to say prior to this moment that happened maybe four or five years ago, I don't, I don't ever remember feeling actual humility in 41 or so years of life until that particular moment. And I had, was lucky enough to have enough self-awareness reflect and and realize that it's like uh wow i that's what humility means and this is the first time that it's ever fucking dawned on me um we also have this concept called metanoia and um you know the change of heart and for me, you know, those two are related. And uh, anyone who's listening to this, you know, you don't have to be orthodox. You can do it, whatever. You can take it purely from uh, bro science or, you know, uh, internet podcast guy. If you can open up enough space to to observe what's happening and then seek to refine it, uh, you know, I think you're on the, I think you're on the, the, the road, basically. And um, going briefly, you know, right back to this, the systems and inflammation situation. It's not clear yet, to me anyway, why we would retain trauma you know, some type of energy or um, a counterbalance against something within our, our, our structures, which in our, within our architecture, our muscles eventually will contort our bones. In any event, this inflammatory response, you know, the brain is not protected from that. It's directly, instantly related to this gut serotonin uh, circuit. All of your organs are feeding back with this inflammation. And your immune system is this explosion of autoimmune disorders. Where does that come from? Um and obesity. Like we have a few ideas. There's a few, um, 
pretty clear culprits on the obesity thing. But how's it get that? How's it go that far? Um, how's autoimmune? This autoimmune stuff, you know, lurk and lurk and lurk and lurk and then start to seep out and then boom, you've got, you know, an invalid or somebody whose life as they knew it is gone. Talk about new normal. I mean, I've, I've known some people very, you know, pretty close to me and heard these tales of um, one day things were okay and then they weren't. And this is, for me, the, the tie back to longevity and where your values and beliefs how, how much fuel can you pull out of those uh, into, into your discipline to, to actually build physical, um, consistent disciplines? I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm looking to find out. That's one of the, again, the, um, the meanings that exist for me in life, what remains of it. So, the mold, uncertaintism, PTSD, breath work. The breath, again, is your main tool, potentially your only tool. Um, if, if you've, I mentioned this in the... Uh, Patreon post. If you've gone on with, um, you know, this inflammation, uh, your PTSD loops or your trauma loops running rampant or with very little suppression, or maybe you're still just pretty young and they haven't caught up with you yet, then that's great. Um, but at some point, these um, the cost will you know will will be paid, and the sooner you can face up to that and get a grip on it, the better. Um, what the breath does, I'm trying to get to here is. If it, if your trauma loop, uh, your mold has has carried on for years, and um, you can just observe that there are signs that suffering is starting, you know, uh, age and uh, disability or disease, whatever, are starting to uh, to catch up. What this may indicate is that um is this phenomenon where the alert the alarms the alerts that your body is sending off have gone unheeded for so long that it's got a it i guess it's almost like your body is communicating to you like all right asshole you, i've been screaming at you for a long time 
through one mechanism or another, you know, whether it's whatever, gas pain or your teeth, your gums bleeding or foot fungus or something. Maybe just, you know, seemingly not a big deal, but you're not listening, so I'm going to I'm going to have to have a crisis here. Uh evidently this is what's going on because studies have have shown that People whose stress is rising and rising and leading to uh, a panic attack or an acute sort of um, anxiety episode, which is, again, you know, not, uh, you know, exactly what's going to happen in a fight or flight uh, scenario, but very, very closely related. And... um, if it's gone on this long, this, the studies are showing that it all kind of goes ignored. And um, it's not really the case that you're cruising through life and everything's going great. Um, and then all of a sudden you just, you just have a meltdown. That's not how it works. And um, in my experience, that's just undeniably the case. It's true. So... I mentioned that, you know, as a bit of a cautionary thing. Um, because, well, you know, you don't know what you don't know um, to summon the dead Don Rumsfeld just for a moment and then we'll let him pass off. But um, you don't know. And so what do you have to go on? Well, you know, the tale that I'm weaving here for you is hopefully suggesting to you and your own observations looking out at the world will hopefully suggest to you that this shit ain't right. This is not normal, natural, healthy, going well. Um, In most, if not all, major senses. So... What the breath can do for you, however, is let's say you're, you know, you are not experiencing a panic attack right now. I'm not a psychiatrist, so nor am I a doctor, you know, so the ultimate caveat should go out that all this is, you know, my experience. And if you choose to experiment with it, I... I wish you well. I think it, I think you'll do just fine. Uh, but it's an uncertain thing. We're in uncertain times. Uh, the people that we turn to, you know, the authorities are clearly bought and paid for and unreliable and in a lot of cases outright malevolent. So Turning to a breath practice for me, as I've said before, was life-saving. And um, if we assume that you are cruising along and you're having some of these alarms, like most people probably are, you know, the inflammatory response is pretty ubiquitous. Uh, The diet um, that most of us grew up with, that's you know, pushed on television, movies, etc., is is poison. 
And most of what we imbibe, you know, taking through our eyes and ears is also one form of poison or another. All this stuff, uh, you know, accumulates. So let's try and transition um, to some specific description of, of what a breath practice looks like. And what I'm going to try and say is, you know, you're in this, you're probably in, in a state of, um, you're on the spectrum of, uh, not that spectrum, but the spectrum of um, PTSD, you know, trauma. You have a loop and you're probably not aware of it. And again, it's not a big thing that you need to dredge up your inner child about, but you have an opportunity to face it through the physical. And that seems to be kind of a gift because it strikes me that if um, we had to go back and what would we even do, you know, to parse out these memories, um, whatever began one guy's trauma loop or another, what, what would one of us do in terms of revisiting, you know, say an event that happened in our adult lives? What if some of those scars are never going to heal? Well, God seems, has, seems to have given us this um, access to the physical. And as you breathe, your mind calms. Just like that. Emphasis on the exhale is always a helpful thing to remember. You can use this to grow your awareness simply by sort of the exclusion of all this other shit in your mind. Um, the monkey mind is a dumb term that I don't like to use, but we will here. It's, you know, it's, it's your to-do list. It's the things that are nagging at you, subconscious and otherwise. Um, If you can use the breath as an access point to start observing your thoughts, you can start to let go of probably 98% of those thoughts because they're trash. In opening up that space, you know, you open up this uh, two-way valve or, or whatever we, however we want to look at it, where those... Uh, Ideas, plans, solutions, etc., insights, revelations can can um, bubble up and through. There's there's now room for them to exist too. Uh, maybe this is you know God communicating to you, and um, that seems to me to be what it is, and that seems to be. Um, you know, I hope I'm imparting a, a very high degree of gravity when we talk about this because you and I are not going to go out in the desert and sacrifice a goat and, um, you know, make up some fucking mantras and have it mean anything. It ain't going to happen. 
that ship sailed. It was destroyed. I, you know, a good reference point for this of recent time, E. Michael Jones, the deliberate destruction of our, our many, many, many cultures. You know, the million cultures, microcultures that were supposed to have flourished in America um, were homogenized so that they could more easily be crushed and controlled. So, yeah, that's part of why I've gone back farther than that in, in my religious and mystical pursuits. Um, but at the same time, you know, we have these, these new strains, uh, these new techniques and tools that are available to us. And yet they're ancient, right? You, you're not going to exist without your breath. So I had hoped, and I, I will do some, some form of exegesis, you know, related to King of Dogs along the way. Um, maybe one big long one, maybe it'll just come out in dribs and drabs, but there's this moment at the end of the book, um, where Grayson is having this conversation and, um, you know, about the alarm about you have some inbuilt ability to just turn all this on a dime. Now you're saying, yeah, but you keep saying this takes time, time, time. It does to get good. And it, and it takes time to rebuild enough uh, sensitivity, awareness, and your own just familiarity with this inner landscape to where you can operate with it. To, especially, you know, until you can rely on it. Because that's the goal, um, to apply pressure. Uh, Mackenzie talks about this a lot, you know, this whole thing is about stress and uh, building resiliency to it. But also, it's this paradoxical aspect to reality, the um, Zen, uh, you know, the reed that, that bends and does not break is stronger than the one that breaks in the current. This is the way, you know. That was the way then, that was, it's the logos and uh, it's, it's the same thing. So we're not going into the major exegesis right now, but I, I wanted to touch on that idea that you do have the ability to simply, whether or not you can tap it, I don't know. I have been able to at certain times and Others, not so much. Um, but you might need to do that to just say, okay, this ends tonight and my breath practice and this pursuit starts tomorrow because time is limited. And it is going to take time. Um, kind of one of those uh, need money to make money things. It's sort of like you need time to buy time. So back to... Um, this kind of blow by, blow by blow, you know, breath by breath um, description of, of how I think this goes is always exhale through the nose, right? Um, oxygen advantage, 
pretty decent book, but the main takeaway is when you exhale, a little bit of that gas is retained in your sinuses and it transmogrifies, not exactly, but it, um, it is altered into nitric oxide, which then on the inhale is sucked down into your lungs and is a crucial component in getting the O2 deep into your lungs. So breathing through your nose, uh, we can go into this, you know, more detail later. There's some nuance to it. Um, when you can breathe through your mouth, when you should, etc. But as much as possible, when you start, just forget about your mouth. Lock the tongue on the roof of the mouth. Relax the neck. Um, the lungs are a bellows. That's not, the lungs have no muscle. It's entirely the diaphragm, the intercostals, the core that is sucking that down. And one thing I can tell you uh, from experience is from postural issues, uh, you will feel the rush of the inhale, you know, at different places in your throat and the upper esophagus. What you might shoot for in the long term is an awareness of this spot, maybe, I don't know, depending on how tall you are, four to six inches from the base of your spine up, you know, so your low rib area. A sort of, if you imagine a direct line between that and your sinuses, the, you know, you're not necessarily pulling air in right at the front of your nose. You want, you can, I suggest you eliminate those drag points eventually. So that's going to come over many, many, many sessions of, you know, I recommend starting out laying on your back and going through some type of muscular relaxation, uh, a semi sort of meditative calming routine. There's many of them in apps. You can do the one where you start with your toes and clench them and release them and kind of mentally walk through or, you know, rise up through all the muscles till you get to your head, go back down. Waterfall, which I detail in the Patreon essay, is another really good one to kind of just go um, just to begin the relaxation. From there, again, when you're first starting out, you want to pull in so the side ribs, the low side ribs are expanding. I think most people's tendency is to expand the front of the body out. You're much better off to expand into the back of the body. And the uh, construction of the lungs is such that, you know, you have these lobes. You can Google pictures and it might be kind of surprising that it's not just one giant bag. Um, when you see people out and about who have kind of shallow breathing and you have a mental picture of these lobes, you can tell. I mean, some people breathe through like one in the low left side and one in the upper right side or just in the uppers. It's, they're not breathing. 
And if they're not breathing, what are they doing? They've given way to the mold. They've given way to uh, death. And they're not fighters. Yeah, I wish they were. I, I wish that, I hope they can pull it together. But you can. And the next step, you know, is probably to monitor or be aware of, you know, you got to kind of be careful of your language. Um, the self-talk, you know, as the, um, the other side likes to say, um, there's something to that, you know, um, because I think it's, it's probably, again, part of the mold, probably a way that you talk to yourself. It's a routine. It's a thing that's easily broken or easily transferred for something better, which is kind of the root of this whole um, spiel is there's all sorts of stuff that you can just trash, that you can just give up, cut loose, and go right back to the source and uh, save yourself a lot of uh, pain and suffering and hopefully provide a lot more value for the people that you love and care about. So you're in observance. There's, um, you're tending, you know, you are attending to the breath, how it feels on the inhale, where the drags are, um, how the bellows is working. Um, yoga does, especially at the outset, I think the next kind of pilot episode will have to be devoted to to some more practical stuff regarding yoga and um, some cultural stuff about yoga but what yoga will ultimately teach you is that um, one if it's really hard there's no other way to get through it than to constantly attend to the breath so it's kind of a harsh way to yoke. I think that's what yoga means is to yoke, is yoking yourself to the breath. And that's what you want to do. You know, religion is this, what is it, religare? It's to tie back. Um, these are not happenstances, these words. And you, that's kind of what you're shooting for, is to tie even the, you want to get to a point where you step out of your car and you're looking around the parking lot as you go to whatever your appointment is. And all of those calculations forward and back are being made, but the conscious part of your mind is, even when it slips away for a second to think about the future, to think about a potential threat, to think about some shit you got to do later, it's constantly tied right back to this awareness, this tending of this thing that you have. This is what it means to have a relationship with the breath. You know, it's kind of like if you're um, a husband, uh, you know, that's your wife. Uh, you can choose to look at other women in the gym I mean, unless you're going to do something about it, why? Like, why put yourself through that? You know, you're already yoked in, in almost every way. 
and hopefully that that is meaningful and um that's one of those little benefits that again i'm a broken record but if you're already yoked to the breath the passions as we call them in orthodoxy these physical urges and and you know psychological urges towards envy and anger and whatnot if you're not tending to those if you don't have time for that because you're already yoked to this never-ending relationship with your breath i guess it is it does end at some point and then this is the question you know what then a different kind of breath is that what the holy spirit is i don't know but if you are yoked to this thing which again may take three weeks as as they say to build this new habit great do that then deepen it and then develop it you know build out a world there understand what in that trauma loop wants to come up when you when you're tired when you're run down when you slip observe it as you do you know again the exegesis of the book as if you're on a trestle bridge and you're watching cars pass below you can guess about what's in those cars you can fantasize about stories it i don't believe it matters i don't believe that um you have access to the quote inner child i think that's all horseshit i think you have access to this one moment that everything collapses into and i think that's good i think it was made that way and um to return to the practical you know if you're on your back breathing expanding into the back and low ribs you can ultimately you do want to play you know you want to you want to try it on your side you want to try it on your stomach you know pull air into uh down to your balls as the uh the right wing bodybuilders say that they're wrong it's not really it doesn't really work like that um but you know maybe energetically it does uh, i don't know but try all these things i've referred to this second axis that um again if carlos castaneda stole everything i could steal everything from him there's this you know assemblage point i think he calls it between your shoulders um upper back um right at the top of um the thoracic you know that is a very a very sticky area for most of us we have the slump forward we have the lombardosis in the low spine which then sort of put, places all this constant tension in the uh, thoracic particularly you know if you do a lot of lower body stuff that might be an air of obvious area to look at you know if you look in the mirror and you have this big swoop in your low back check out your upper back because it might be that the low back is actually strong and supple but all that tension um all that fear all that self-doubt all that shit that you have to bury to function 
in a world that demands that you function in a way that you probably don't even want to function, uh, there's, there's, the price is being paid in, you know, on multiple levels. So anyway, check, check that. The assemblage point that he's referring to, I have found that you can bounce the expansion of your breath from that lowest point to a slightly higher and more forward point into the assemblage point and you can get this giant super satisfying breath if you can have a session uh you know lying seated uh what have you walking uh and you can get you know six or seven of those two axis axis axes um breaths you will notice you feel better more energy um, might be the first thing that you notice and referring back to you know these systems real quick if you want to if any of this is striking you as ridiculous or whatever or you know you feel like oh there's other stuff i got to tend to before this that's perfectly fine i'm not telling you what to do if you want to discuss that you can use the consultation option and um if i can't tell you which is very possible i think i can probably point you in the right direction and i bring that up to to say that there are um sorry about that getting a little uh wind in the warhorse um, you know, there are supplements like adaptogens, ashwagandha, those are the few that I know about, but sometimes those can be used to, um, hold on, I'm going to roll up the window a little bit. There we go. Um, to bring the endocrine down enough that you're going to have access to these sensations of deeper uh, breath. And you know, deep breath isn't, isn't necessarily the goal, but I like to take them. Um, it feels like you flush things away and it might be a process of, you know, approach like that. It might be multi-pronged sort of approach. And that's, I think the sign is, is if you sit down or lay down or you actually devote some time, um, quiet, contemplative time to this, and you get nothing out of it, then, and I was in this boat, so don't take it personally, um, you are probably so locked out from from the, the the many dimensions of yourself, whether that's this you know simple reduction of um, the the emotional is locked out from the reasoning. Uh, you know, by emotional, that's your intuitive. That's oftentimes related very closely to your sensation, your sensatory, the sensations that you're able to feel. Um, 
If that's the case, then my suggestion would be not to give up, but to take on the multi-pronged approach because some, you know, adaptogens or something like that, or maybe a change in your diet, or maybe a little more exercise, perhaps uh, two or three weeks of consistent yoga will be what you need to start loosening this mold up. You know, the mold is starts out as jelly. It's going to bend to whatever talents, innate gifts you had in order to cover those. But eventually, its purpose is to calcify and form a cage. Whether this is entirely demonic or it just looks like that uh, is up for debate. I, I have my opinions, but um, as I've as I said in that post, you know, accept that however you want to look at it, political, ideological, spiritual, there are forces arrayed against you, and in the in the Christian sense of things, those forces are arrayed every bit as much as um, the people that you would likely consider your enemy. And that's, uh, that's not to say that you won't do what you have to do or I won't, but it is to say, if you're looking at the bigger picture, then it's something, it's something to consider. Um, Okay, so a few more kind of practical tidbits. You know, we talked about the nasal breathing a little bit. We'll go into the two gears, uh, mouth breathing and stuff later. We talked about this expansion. You'll hear this, um, you know, breathe into your diaphragm uh, refrain. And um, that's the only thing that you can breathe into. You know, that's the main muscle that's operating the bellows. The intercostals are there to assist and it is you know this is a talk about a compound movement um if you can find access to i some type of i haven't seen one but uh there are some kind of you know not so useful but you gotta you gotta piece it together where uh, some type of model where you see everything that's involved in one breath and one exhale and or, or even that's available to you to use it's stunning you know you're not using them. I wasn't using them. For even after 10 years of yoga, I wasn't using stuff that was available. I don't believe that it was the yoga that made it available. I think it was hearing about these concepts, um, dismissing them, ultimately finding that I needed them, and then, you know, discovering all kinds of stuff that, that hadn't been. Um, specifically discussed in, you know, the five or 800 classes that I took in that time. Um, this does bleed over into a, a, a topic that eventually I wanted to weave into this. Um, so I'll jump to that. But first, um, you know, one last bit on, on the breath. I have found that 
as much as it is um, lateral, you know, the side ribs expanding, it's vertical. And that's that coordination piece. So as you're playing with it, I think like with weightlifting, you know, maybe you work one, um, you know, you work one set of muscles, you work another. Ultimately, you want to do compound movements to bring them together. A similar sort of thing applies here as you progress. And if you're serious, you will dedicate, you know, it doesn't have to be more than a few minutes or maybe even just a few breaths at a time. But isolate uh, one area and move the breath. You can move the breath to other areas. And you'll hear this in yoga where like, if, you know, if the left hip, for example, when I drive, um, I, I do like to drive, um, but I have noticed that my left hip, probably from years of driving manual, which I don't really do anymore, uh, is will kind of, you know, a few miles in, 10, 15 minutes of driving, I will notice that unconsciously this left hip will kind of become tense as if it's, you know, uh, anticipating. A lot of this stuff seems to be an anticipatory response, which would make sense given the fight or flight uh, basis from which much of this um, flowers. And, you know, that's just one example where if I pull the breath in vertically um, with conscious intention, uh, that hip displacement, as minor as it is, nobody would notice it but me. Um, it, you know, I become aware of it. And I say no, nobody would notice it but me. Why does that matter? Well, ultimately, what I noticed was that that hip, uh, that muscular contraction, would affect the core, which would affect my digestion over time. And, you know, it wasn't um, particularly catastrophic. Uh, but this is the game, you know, you're, it's never ending, uh, until we end. You're dealing with the world, your responsibilities, your need to react to it, and this baggage that you carry. And so, simply stated, a big piece, a big element of understanding, quote, the mold, is to let go of as much stuff that you're carrying around that you don't need. If the boomers had simply, um, or had merely rather, uh, applied this simplification notion that went around like in the late 90s to the body, to the quote, you know, score that Dr. Vanderkolk um, proves pretty irrefutably that we're keeping in the body, fuck. Where would we be now 30 years later? But it's neither here nor there. Okay. So the last um, little bit I wanted to give you guys today, and then I'll tag on uh, 
this this bit about these these various exercises that I if anybody else has stumbled across these in these form in this form, you know, let me know. Um, I'd be very surprised. But this last thing, um, a listener, reader, supportive um, gentleman brought up. I'd not heard of this. Maskarovka is an apparently it's apparently a Russian military concept and uh, just a cursory examination, you know, seemed to suggest all kinds of interesting possibilities um, related to infrastructure, uh, security, but also social engineering. And um, I've kicked this around in my way for, for quite a while, and it's another benefit of all of these practices. It sort of ties you know, some of this together as well. Um, and the way I want to discuss this is in Portlander terms. I'm from Portland, born and raised, seventh generation. And um, someday yeah, we definitely got to do an episode about Portland. But you guys know it um, to the extent that you do. And uh, hopefully you'll give me the benefit of the doubt and let me explain my home you know, before you condemn this, this next little segment here. Um, what I want to suggest about Portland in relation to breath work and specifically self-awareness and the mold is this. Gaining self-awareness through a breath practice allows you an awareness not only should we say, of your true self, but also of your mold. Um, and here we would extend the mold to include all of these limitations, this learned helplessness, the Dunning-Kruger, the cognitive dissonance, um, the avoidance patterns. Much of this is normalized such that it's, it passes as social currency now. So if you are off at your doomstead and you um, are collecting you know, tallow to cook your organic veggies in and making elderberry syrup um, and hand-loading you know, custom, custom uh, precision rounds like you should be, there's nothing wrong with any of that. I do it myself when I can. But if, if you're off doing that, you know, you, you, one, you're probably not spending a lot of time in downtown Portland or uh, down, or like uh, Brooklyn, you know, or downtown Atlanta for that matter. Maybe you are, but, you know, you're, you're facing a sort of different reality and opportunities for this uh, Maskarovka, as I'm, you know, probably erroneously, but um, I don't think so. I mean, I think, I think that this extends into this area, in a general sense at least. If, if you're this, this person and 
you are faced with um, the prospect of what I tried to detail in the King, in King of Dogs, which is a pre-apocalyptic um, set of conditions. You know, um, as we speak, um, China and Russia are signing various financial and trade and uh, presumably defense alliances. None of this is in the news. It's, you know, presumed that all of this stuff going down now is mostly to mask um, a kind of inevitable uh, monetary, you know, global financial meltdown, reboot. you know, makes sense to me. Um, and the spiritual, uh, social, the, the, every angle of this like, circular you know, tube of, of this water slide of decline that we're all riding now. Um, you know, these, the turns in that ride are unknown. I took the Soviet um, perestroika and the the epoch or era of you know decline and collapse right after where you basically had gangsters uh various tribes um working to you know against each other and with each other and with uh former generals or i don't know you know maybe they were still on their uh installed on their bases and selling off tanks to gangsters that were then selling them off to Arab sheiks. But basically, you know, this, uh, this scavenging hyena phase of the decline. If we're in for that or something like it, maybe it's just, you know, another thing going on is that you guys are probably aware of is the whole um, kind of uh, masking of the supply line uh, uh, weirdness. Is it controlled? Is it purposeful? Is it inevitable? Uh, were the lefties right about some of this? Maybe all of the above. I don't know. But where we're going with this is you might find yourself in uh, in any number of scenarios where you know, and that it might not be. Uh, the Portlander that you that you need to engage and you might need to work with them. You might need to gain something from them in a, a what's the word permissible sort of way. So having some flexibility in presenting yourself, uh, Rolodex of bearings. Uh, you know, the military bearing, the uh, studious bearing, the playboy bearing. There, there's all this, you know, these masks that are available. Stretching thin the mold such that you can, you know, in that action start to reflect on 
I don't want to say your true self, but you know, something close to that, a truer version of the self, a core is going to, um, you know, on the one side, you see all this stuff that you can jettison. You don't, you don't need to carry, uh, a bunch of muscular or whatever form of trauma, you know, tension, breathing patterns, blah, blah, blah. You know, you don't need this stuff. You don't need to uh, restrict yourself to, in a, in a similar way, you don't need to restrict yourself to one form of presentation. In fact, uh, you know, the way of the chameleon or the way of the coyote, whatever we want to say, some, some type of creature that's the octopus, that's a good one. I like them. Very curious creatures. The ability to, you know, change your shape, which the octopus has, to change your colors, which the octopus has, as well as, you know, fuck you up and fight and uh, drop an ink cloud and disappear, you'll have all those, probably. But what you may not have is enough familiarity um, with different, different social modes uh, or, or just enough familiarity with the flexibility of your own being to recognize uh, how much of this is malleable. And back to the broken record, um, the CIA probably teaches this stuff, but if they teach breath work, I don't know why they suck so bad. Because breath work tunes you to the moment, tunes you to these various nuances of yourself, and allows you to let go of that kind of reactionary, um, habituated form of engagement that we see so often at the wherever, wherever you go, the grocery store, the bar, the gym, whoever you entertain. Yes, much of this or some, some large part of it is uh, social nicety and, and the like. But when you remove this, um, this level of mercantile ethics, as McCarthy says, and you start you know, having to engage on other terms, um, Bronze Age pervert you know, suggests or insinuates the same thing that I am suggesting and insinuating. When you find yourself in circumstances that require you to stretch beyond uh, the way that dad and grandpa operated and the way that maybe, you know, if you were in the military, you operated, because a lot of that is absolutely not applicable. You got no support. Um, that whole mountain of confidence that comes with that is not only removed, but it's displaced against you. And it's not in the same form. So now with that said, though, you know, if you were in the military, you probably gained access to a culture that presumably was not the same as the one you grew up in or the same that you used to, um, 
woo your first girlfriend or, you know, make friends once you left the house. It's, uh, it's its own place. And so do you, I hope that I'm, I'm being clear that breathing isn't just this physical thing. It's not just this healing thing. It's, it really is kind of this access to, uh, you know, if you want to build Batman, I would start here. Um, and I, I can't remember if we mentioned yet uh, Paul Sharp, who is a guy who definitely uh, has built or is currently building Batman, so to speak. I'd like to have him on the podcast because he is an example of almost what I'm talking about right now, where if you study his his Instagram and, you know, how he presents himself and you juxtapose that, you know, the various um, versions of himself that he allows out into the public space, what you're going to see is a guy with um, an open mind. Now, I disagree with a few things like I I think he has uh, potentially health or he's, you know, he's made health decisions that led him to veganism, I think. Okay, well, that's, you know, that's not the road that I'm on. I, I, I think that the science points elsewhere. But that's not the point. The point is a guy who is um, a black belt in jiu-jitsu. Uh, I think he's a black belt in judo as well. 20 years as a beat cop uh, right around Chicago. An absolute master with um, all weapons, a member of the Shiv Works Collective, Craig Douglas is another guy, um, which also, you know, this they're kind of in this um, in this shared wheel wheelhouse where um, I, I don't know the origin entirely how much Paul Sharp or um, Craig Douglas, you know how the origins of what they call muck, mutual um, unknown contact, I think, is the acronym muck, where there's a whole uh, module of teaching that they do. It's available on YouTube, which is absolutely worth every minute of your time. And um, they've parsed it out to, I think, a pretty damn fine reduction of uh, you know, and a repeatable approach to managing people who approach, who you know, who confront you. Uh, and the nuance and the uncertainty that's present in those is very instructive. Um, so anyway, Paul Sharp, I think he probably had a hand in developing that. And he evidences an open mind. Not a mind, as they say in grade school, so open that it will fall out. Um, but here's a guy who is by absolutely any, any standard, I mean, like a modern day uh, samurai, you know, a, a badass of pretty epic proportions. I don't, I mean, I know that's saying a lot, but I think it's accurate. And this is also a guy who has cultivated a love of music, um, a love of food, 
he's very open about the people that he cares about, you know, his relationships, his ties. He smiles an enormous amount. Um, and I know as well he's had significant trials um, that he has come through not unscathed, but, you, you know, again, another side that he presents is his sort of um, self-improvement or the, the, the aphorism side. You know, uh, he is clearly working on this consistently over time to bend his mindset around uh, towards survival. And that's, that's kind of what this is all about. And he is an example of somebody who physically, uh, I think he's rather imposing, um, but there's no reason to say that he could not insinuate himself into just about any circle in uh, the greater metropolitan Portland area. Um, I would imagine that if you gave him a couple hours or maybe a day to study, you know, some feminist group or some Antifa group or, I mean, we got them all there. We got, we got them all concentrations and all flavors. Um, aside from the fact that he's, you know, maybe a little bit, uh, on the older side to be joining Antifa, I bet, I bet that there is not, there are not many doors that he could not, um, get through. I, some of that probably comes from, uh, I believe he was an undercover cop for a while, which is probably really good training, um, better than CIA, uh, you know, false mystique stuff. Um, but the point is, one, breath work physically and mentally can form this flexible resiliency that will come in very handy, whether you are facing down Cletus, you know, who lives up the road and who, uh, who gained most of his values and beliefs from a bottle, um, you know, and his abusive family. I'm not making stereotypes. We can do the same thing. Or, you know, um, oh, uh, you know, Crystal or whatever her name is on the streets of Portland, who likewise also gained most of her worldview from a bottle and an abusive father. You know, uh, it, it swings both ways. But this flexibility leads to Castaneda's um, concept, stolen probably from Viktor Frankl, where you have this window between stimulus and response. Castaneda calls it the millimeter of opportunity available to the warrior, which seems actually much, a much better description. The warrior being this character who maintains a life of absolute sobriety, um, adheres to an ethic of rigor that would just melt the faces of your average person. There is no average, you know, 
as, as man cannot approach the face of God, the average man cannot approach the warrior. He can't even conceive of the type of dedication, uh, intensity that we are talking about in these pilot episodes that hopefully we will continue to expand on in uh, the official episodes, etc. But this moment, this is the decisive moment where the warrior seizes the future and decides the outcome. And in a litigious, uh, semi-litigious, uh, vengeful, tribal, you know, fourth generation warfare, all, all of these rolled up into one sort of scenario, which appears to me to be very likely. Uh, I, I don't think that we are headed towards more stability. We are headed towards more division. And uh, this type of complexity is not going to be navigated by people who have the one proverbial tool. Uh, it will not be navigated by the reckless. It will not be navigated by, um, you know, in equal measure on the flip side, it won't be na navigated by the cowardly. It won't be navigated by the person who's still talking to his inner child. It won't be navigated by, you know, and in the middle ground, by those who are addicted, who absolutely receive their, you know, or build their identity out of some just meticulous uh, adherence to a set daily routine in which they're, they're not in control. You know, I'm referring again to the MMA guy uh, who once the gym closes or once the context in which this is uh, socially valuable fails, what do you have? Well, you have somebody with one tool. And I think that the one tool guy is not going to last long. And if longevity is our ethic here, um, amidst the index of of possibilities, tactics, techniques that we want to have. Um, you have with breath work a kind of um, fix-all, if you will, but also the foundation. So um, let me know if, if this is all going in a direction that... Um, is valuable for you guys and um, check out this next little section where I detail um, a couple of exercises but um, once again I if you've made it this far I greatly appreciate it and um, the comments the feedback has been very supportive I greatly appreciate that um, along the way you know the DMs the email, these are open, you know, you, please, listeners, readers, part of what I'm trying to do from a personal, selfish place, or, you know, is, is one survive, um, build up a fair revenue stream, something where the exchange is 
absolutely. Um, we both find it a good deal. And also, uh, as I just briefly touched on in episode one, uh, find, you know, find again my way into the world, uh, which writing, it, writing does that. You know, that's how, how I did it. Um, but in this um, vein of um, multi-form and uh, resilient approaches, uh, I, th I hope to develop this as well as a way into the world. And I don't entirely, uh, you know, I don't really want total control over that, but uh, it's part of the goal. So that should swing again both ways. Um, hopefully the door that I'm opening, you know, opens again in the recursive sense to, to new places uh, for you guys. So I want to finish up um, by giving you guys a couple of exercises um, that you will likely not find anywhere else. Um, I am one who believes in not, you know, remaking the wheel. So on a lot of this stuff, uh, the work is done. Um, Mackenzie, refer to um, the Patreon post. You'll find some description of of places to start. I do think that in one of the next episodes, um, we're going to downshift the tone a little bit and talk through some of the like moment to moment exercises, sensations to look for. If you're like me and you know, you spent a lot of years oriented towards the threat um, and not oriented like that Portlander towards, you know, your next moment of comfort. Though again, admittedly, I've done a fair share of that too, my fair share of it. Um, the point being, you might very well, you know, you might not feel any of this shit. So I know that I didn't in many cases. And so having some cues or some areas to look for, to look at, I think will, will help. And if it doesn't, send some feedback and, um, you know, we can take it from another angle as well. Um, in addition, you know, towards the end, in this sense of, uh, in this um, theme, I guess, of an ongoing exegesis, which may be my only shot at one. So I'm going to, I'm going to go for broke eventually and give away as many of the secrets um, as I possibly can. Um, maybe those of you in the future listening to this who have um, ambitions of writing, I imagine there'll be maybe not something as coherent and accessible as a, a series just about writing because I generally think that it, the weave doesn't quite come together that way. Um, 
but I do hope to provide, you know, what, what insights I can, uh, at least comment on what I did and how I got there. But also to use that book to the extent possible as, you know, a, a teaching tool. So there's this uh, conversation uh, towards the end of the book with Grayson and um, Ben, the kind of, uh, you know, shitheel kid and um, it's coming at a point where the kid is starting to, to realize who he's looking across the table at and um, things are starting to eh, maybe not sink in but you know reality is scratching the surface of for Ben we might say that his mold is is being stretched uh, probably just from being in proximity to Grayson but um, it's being stretched to such an extent that you know, some wisdom or some help uh, can start to percolate through there. And Grayson, it's written as, as an attempt because I didn't envision Ben as being entirely capable of, of grasping. I also didn't envision Grayson as entirely uh, capable of... Um, transferring and um, Grayson essentially says you know you've got this inbuilt alarm system um, you've got this thing where if you just reversed it you you have you know what he's suggesting in, in more um, direct terms is you have and I think this is God, again, you know, building, building into every tragic instance uh, some ray of hope or um, some reality of hope. Grayson is essentially saying that every time that you decide to be weak or that you have the urge to do this or that, you know, you could... Um, you could just, instead of doing that, take that as, as an opportunity to, to not be weak. And ultimately, yeah, it's that simple. I, I think that in many cases, more is required to like, decalcify the, uh, the buildup around that faculty. However, again, for folks listening to this, very likely, you know this is where you're at. You have an opportunity to observe the moments of weakness, your own avoidance patterns, etc. And then just, no, that's it. Just change it right there. As ugly as it, as it may be, you may have to admit your fault in front of somebody else. You may not. You may have to do, go farther than that. And I'm not saying to do stupid stuff but I am saying, you know, stupid stuff in terms of risks or that are unnecessary. The principle here is equally important as the particular. And um, so 
one of these exercises or um, I guess it's an exercise is you know it's sort of related in this we've, we're taking the mental to a physical place so if you have access to a sauna it's it's super um, it's it's very easy and uh, I got this idea many many years ago when I was talking to this this guy we were talking about uh, he was he was a very far out sort of dude and he was talking about uh, taking extreme quantities of I guess hallucinogens or various drugs of some sort and the suggestion was that it was impossible to um, to kind of lose yourself on on hallucinogens and his point was kind of like with people who if you get drunk you know eventually you puke uh, you may still kill yourself but you will probably puke you probably shit yourself you probably piss your pants all these sort of things and his his point was like you know eventually the body does uh, kind of take over some of these functions to try and bring you back you've got kidneys probably working overtime to get toxins out of your body so you're piss piss pissing and um, you know the whole uh, we'll go into it definitely in in this pilot series the phenomena of the combat shits um, is related here which you may be familiar with but the test basically involves if you can get yourself to a sauna but it's not necessary but um, you can do it through breath, breath you know, holding your breath as well and the idea is you know again the caveats are if you do stupid stuff with any of the information that I'm telling you and it's on you you listen to this I'm not taking responsibility for it so don't be stupid with that said um, the oxygen advantage book recommends all types of breath holding and I have gotten a lot out of it um, one it really forces you to to develop your exhale to get every last bit of air to compress your core to squeeze that out in the holding okay however you like do a few cycles inhale exhale total exhale lock your tongue to the top of the roof of your mouth and attempt this isn't that easy but attempt to sort of relax your core and if you have you know pretty decent muscle tone you'll find that the two attachment points on that front sheath of muscle like down to your pubic bone and up to your sternum those will relax your stomach will kind of go your gut area will go slack you hold your breath you you time it and as this proceeds you know in, it's not about the seconds seconds is just for your own uh, sort of recording what I'm looking when I'm doing this what I'm looking to gain to obtain is um, 
this sense of having to urinate. Sometimes you'll get a sense of needing to take a dump because maybe you already needed to take a dump. If you have absolutely no fluids in you, you know, it, it might not work. If you're kind of um, at, a, at a nice medium place where you're not, your bladder is not bursting, but it's also not, you didn't just empty it, that would probably be ideal. And my sense is that what's happening is this so-called suffocation response that you're becoming acquainted with, that's one of the baselines, is being triggered kind of like with the combat shits, right? Uh, adrenaline dumps, something's happening, your body's responding to it, and it's starting to go into its uh, order of operations about how it's going to fight or take flight. I don't I don't, I don't want to say that I know entirely where this goes because I don't. However, I do know that in acquainting myself with that um, urge, both of those or, or one or the other, in relation to holding my breath, has resulted in my capacity for holding my breath uh, expanding pretty dramatically. And also a, you know, more of a familiarity with those urges on a day-to-day -day basis. This is, you know, it, we could go over the pieces and the elements, the fine threads of the mold. I don't know how long, but we don't have time. And, uh, but this would be one of those elements, right? You're uh, nine years old, you're sitting in class, and you have to ask to go to use the bathroom. And yeah, it brings up the point the nature-nurture point, um, you know, if we didn't even have bathrooms, would we really need to, to hold it? Would we need, would we just piss on the floor or in the dirt? Well, I don't know, but um, we're down this road, and this is one of these areas where, to my way of thinking, if you are acquainting, your, you are acquainting yourself, becoming intimate, let's say, with the order of operations that your body goes through in response to adrenaline, fight, flight, um, cortisol, the whole cocktail uh, of, uh, of substances that's being dumped, well, that's to the good. So that's a quick and dirty version of that exercise. The second one that, you know, I don't think you're going to get anywhere else, um, refers to this idea that human being with a capital B, that is our experience of being, requires a kind of matrix of three points, past, present, and future, father, son, Holy Spirit, if you go through these, you know, um, grammar, logic, rhetoric, um, this triune, this triune feature of reality is pretty important. And, um, 
it, it's 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 an interesting sort of mental you know exercise that you can divert yourself with however you can also use this idea here again uh, this was alluded to in the book you can use this idea to construct for yourself pathways out or through severe crisis um, if you've ever run any distance you've probably found yourself with uh, adopting a kind of rhythm between inhale exhale and your footfalls um, and you know there is some evidence that suggests this may not be uh, you know those those rhythms um, they may not be optimum for per for like athletic performance per se however um, I've not looked you know deeply into those studies I'm personally not concerned uh, with with anything like that I recall as a kid playing around with with these rhythms you know or like in high school um, you don't necessarily have to count them but I, th I think it's helpful you don't necessarily have to um, do what I do which is I add a, a type of musical component you know this is probably where slave songs and marching songs and such come from What I'm suggesting specifically with this is that as you build a breath practice, there is going to be counting. Uh, hopefully it's to five uh, most of the time. Your coherence breath, that's your bread and butter. When you're working out or driving or any other opportunity you have to use this or to try it out you can build a, a rhythm with walking I mean that's when I do it mostly is walking and you can build up the rhythm consciously as you know with the footfalls with the arm swings and then you can let that go and just focus on the sensation and kind of maintain that long term um, I just find it enjoyable uh, it clears my mind almost instantly and it's yet another tool that I use to to actually clear my mind not you know focus um, like like the stockbroker or whatever I'm super focused and um, hyper productive I think that that's just not true I think that's um, largely just false um, and that production happens over time and yeah you could probably run a lot of errands or something uh, under that mindset but the mindset that I'm talking about is long-term for the long haul, leading to this final 
confrontation, this final, you know, your confrontation with your mortality is ultimately, there's no need to mince words, I guess. And this exercise, you know, the, we mentioned the matrix, these three points. As you get that rhythm going um, and you've cleared your mind, this is a place where, as we mentioned in the previous episode, you know, we don't really think. We think we think and we would love it if we did think, but we actually think very little. And we, we worry and we, we perseverate, but mostly we just have various grooves or loops that, um, you know, some of them are beneficial and you might not want to trash them. Some of them are totally, uh, they're just waste of time. And so you might want to trash them. What this exercise, I believe, has given me and what I hope it can give you is, one, a place where you can start to observe those things with very little, you know, hopefully you can walk um, and not and chew the gum, as they say, but you can walk and observe your thoughts, but you can walk and let them go. And eventually, I think that you can start to seed that rhythm with... um. more intentional intentional is a great word to use if you want to slip into portland and um you know la new york hipster circles you put that in your in your um in your go bag and whip it out and it will help i'm joking it's um this rhythm once you lock it in and once you take stock of a clear mind that you're going forward into the future, that you are in a moment that seems to exist um, forever. You know, you don't know when the last moment ended and when, and yet there's this propulsion and you are aware of your own energy sustaining that propulsion and that implies uh, an end, which is, you know, the past has ended and within this tripod of you know whether it's ultimately ultimate reality or just what we um, are given to experience is not for me to say but um, through this exercise you know you can if you just want to pray sometimes that's what I do um other times uh I will more consciously seed my intentions or hopes or you know ask questions and um this is not again like a completely ridiculous esoteric idea if you are familiar with which is probably where I got it. I mean, many, many, many novelists or scientists or people who have to do work with their minds have found that walking somehow 
uh, opens the idea valve. Well, that's certainly true. And I believe that it also opens, you know, that valve, it might be the same valve, but maybe there are two and one goes out and one comes in. I don't, you know, I can't, I couldn't say quite how it works, but there's something permeable there and it's available through walking and it's compounded through walking and breathing. And of course, walking is a really good opportunity to, um, to work the intercostal side-to-side expansion. Okay, I don't know how long this podcast will be. I hope that you have found some value. Please, um, the, the feedback at this point is sustaining the effort. So um, I greatly appreciate it. I, if you've listened this far, I hope that I have given you a few things um, of value they are incredibly valuable to me. And again, um, they have changed the course of my life. Um, if, if only they spark something in you, you know, that, so that you can find the little lever, the button, what have you, that gives you the advantage, then I feel like value has been um, imparted and I hope that's the case if you can just grab this and copy mine and go with it fantastic Um, copywriting this stuff seems unlikely all right well I still have not found uh, a good way to sign off so and I also found out that I can't use Mark Knopfler so I'll have to make some changes but um Thank you very much. Again, if you made it this far, I really appreciate it. Take care.